0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Media Made Me here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast. My name is Felipe. I am the titular Brazilian Dragon and I am so excited to start off this podcast series called Media Made Me which in the conversation between nature versus nurture I have always been fascinated by the role that entertainment and media plays in shaping one's individuality and personality. So in this series I will be exploring that concept with guests from the entertainment industry, journalists, podcasters comedians content creators all different types of people who have been shaped by the media that they consume for me i have always been drawn to disney movies uh the 2000s era of cartoon network disney channel nickelodeon as one of my guests describes them the big three of kids media also glee was very foundational to me as well as the show's survivor and big brother and the amazing race the big three of reality television Uh, One thing that has also been very foundational to my identity is Rob as a podcast. So I am very excited to announce that my very first interview for this series is with my podcasting hero, Rob Sesternino, who has changed my life in many ways. I have gotten jobs because of the patron community. I have found some of my best friends through the patron community. I get to cosplay as an uncle every month with some of my friends here in LA because of friends that I have made through the patron community. And Rob has changed my life. I have been listening to his podcast for 11 years. I have met some incredible people, some of who you'll get to hear from on this series, including Mike Bloom and Latanya Starks. Um, but Rob will be my very first interview that will come out on Thursday, July 27th, 2023, AKA my birthday. That is my birthday present to myself. So you are hearing this a day early And I'm excited for you all to hear this episode and to get a sense of what we're doing here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast. I am so excited for Media Made Me. Um, I've been working hard on this project, conceptualizing it for probably over a year. Um, But I'm excited to hit the ground running with a podcast with one of the most important figures of my life that is not my immediate family or friends. So with that said... Thank you for joining me. Let me also tell you quickly a little bit more about what we do on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast in case you are listening to this and this is your first Brazilian Dragon Podcast episode. Hi, my name is Felipe. I am a Brazilian-American. Oh my God, one of my Funko Pops just fell, but we're gonna keep rolling because that is improv, baby. Um, So I am a Brazilian-American film and TV professional living in Los Angeles. I also do stand-up comedy and other forms of uh, creative arts pursuing here in, uh, Hollywood. And I, um, like to talk about kids content. So two thousands, big three, Disney channel, Nickelodeon, uh, Cartoon Network, we have done series on Total Drama Island, high school musical, the musical, the series, Scooby-Doo, uh, Phineas and Ferb is a podcast. I do with my friends, Will and Navi on our sister, uh, podcast, the, what you do in podcast. Uh, And upcoming, we are going to be diving deep into High School Musical The Musical Season 4 with a full series retrospective before the final season drops uh, in a couple of weeks. Also, Scooby-Doo Podcast continues to chug along. If you want some sample episodes of what we do here, I would highly recommend episodes 50, 100, or 150. Uh, That is kind of the shenanigans that we get up to in these podcasting streets. Now, Just to reiterate, Rob Sesternino is foundational to my identity. I've been listening to this podcast for 11 years now. It has gotten me through the good, the bad, and the ugly moments of my life where all I needed was support and it's been very comforting in low moments and also very comforting to have when things are going well. Um, I am very excited to have this conversation. It's a conversation I've always been fascinated by and would have dreamt of having it with Rob, not on a podcast, but... When I started conceiving of this project, he was the biggest person that I wanted to talk to. And I'm so grateful that he was willing to sit down with me and have a conversation about his life and the media that shaped him. And I cannot wait for you all to listen to this podcast. Again, coming out Thursday, July 27th. There's a chance that you might also be hearing this preview before that episode uh, to give you a little context of what we're doing. But thank you again to Rob and all the phenomenal guests I've interviewed so far. And we will be releasing these on Thursdays, one a week. And I hope you all enjoy Season one of Media Made Me, kicking off with the podfather himself, Rob Sesternino. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Media Made Me here on the Brazilian Dragon podcast. I am Felipe, the Brazilian Dragon, and I am joined by the podcasting man, myth, and legend, Rob Sestranino. Rob, how do you want to introduce yourself?
1: to The, the Long podcast? Island Dragon. Yes.
0: Uh, you are one of the very few people who has spent time in Brazil that has been on the Brazilian Dragon That's podcast. true.
1: That's true. So, yeah, yeah. I am uh, deeply qualified to be here. So thank you, Felipe, for having me.
0: Of course. Rob, how do you want to introduce yourself if anyone's a clown and doesn't know who you are yet?
1: Uh, boy. Um. All right. So uh, the... First off, uh, I like to think of myself as a, as a, a human. Yes. Uh, secondly, uh, just, uh, you know, a fan of, of the Brazilian dragon. Stop it. Ryan. And uh, just, uh, you know, a guy who has been very fortunate to be able to do, make uh, a bunch of podcasts and not have to get a real job for, you know, a very long time and uh, excited to get the chance to catch up.
0: Yeah, no, Rob, this is very exciting for me. Like, I don't think it's any secret that like you have been an inspiration in my podcasting journey. Actually, back when I started college. Go rating. on. Yes. Um, yes. But, like, I identify you as a podcasting hero, if not the biggest podcasting hero of mine. So it's super exciting yeah. that you came over to the to the small little streets of the Brazilian Dragon podcast. How can
1: I say no, Felipe? I'm here. I mean, you got a lot of things
0: going on. I would not have been like I would have been like, "Rob, I get it." But I'm very appreciative that you came and joined me here today. Yeah,
1: well, thank you again for the invite.
0: Um, yeah, but Uh, First things first, how are you doing these days? I know you have a lot
1: of... doing well. This has been a really nice time uh, right now where I know that we are staring into, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel as an oncoming train uh, where all of the reality shows are going to be back in the fall. But right now, it's a little bit of a lighter time, and I always do uh, enjoy that, try to recharge the battery as much as I can rather than go out and be, like, searching for more things to be podcasting about so i'm just getting ready big brother's around the corner and then uh, soon after that we'll have survivor and the amazing race all of the shows back at the same time for the first time uh, ever so this is going to be a really an uh, interesting time
0: uh it's going to be chaotic for sure on your end uh but do you in the future would you prefer that big brother doesn't start back until july august or sorry just august i think
1: So, um, I, for one, I do enjoy the, you know, longer break at the end of, you know, the spring survivor season, uh, followed by the fall survivor season. So it gives me more flexibility to be able to like do stuff, uh, for like me personally in the summer. But I think that in the scheme of things, like, I feel like that the natural order of reality yeah. TV should be, you know, give Big Brother it's summer and Big Brother, you know, you have a uh, survivor and then a little gap and then Big Brother fills uh, the days in between the two survivor seasons. And I think that that's probably the best way to do it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe. However, I think Big Brother could shave a couple days at the beginning of July and not go on for like 100 days every season.
1: Big Brother in a 100-day season, it's not the best format for Big Brother. It's very hard to, you know, uh, hold everybody's attention for that long. Like, that's probably, I think, an ideal Big Brother season is somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, 65 to 75 days.
0: I agree with that. Um, But, Rob, I'm excited to get to know you. And, obviously, I mean, I know of, like, some of your stories uh, based on listening to the podcast for... 11
1: years now yeah well i hope i can Um, come up with some new stories today a brazilian
0: dragon exclusive that would be very exciting um but uh let's uh chat so like obviously you grew up in long island but uh what were your first like um core memories with media tv movies but like any sorts of media like what were what did you grow up on as a kid
1: yeah i just remember Always like having the TV be like a very big part of my upbringing. For from, I remember like some of my first memories are sort of like, okay, I'm watching the TV, and I think that you know, look, this is not, I mean, my mom's not going to listen to this podcast, uh, but you know, she is welcome, Mrs. Welcome, welcome. You know, they didn't screen time wasn't really the type of thing that we calculated, uh, at that point in time. And so the TV would hold my attention that my mom could just put me in front of it. And, you know, it was probably, you know, the best babysitting that she could hope for. And I would, you know, watch, you know, hours of, you know, um, kids shows, uh, not so much cartoons. I was really into like uh, Mr. Rogers was like a big, big favorite of mine. And then also uh, a lot of, like, the game shows that were on during the uh, day and The Price is Right and all of that stuff. So that that was just, like, a a really, really big part of my childhood, just um, those, uh, you know, those types of shows. And then I wanted to sort of recreate, like, the game shows that I was watching and would, like, put on, like, little, like, game shows, like, uh, for my, you know, parents who – my parents actually lived with my – great grandmother uh, when I was uh, as as, like in my very formative years that they we lit my great grandmother. She had like a bigger house and my parents didn't have a lot of money. And so we ended up like uh, living in my great grandmother's house until my parents could afford to buy a house at some point
0: and so you would just host game shows and variety shows for play cards right
1: right and you know for you know then if you know my grandparents or my great-grandmother and we would just um you know it was very encouraged i remember everybody like uh like seemingly enjoying that
0: now you are the oldest of a couple siblings right did you ever force them to be contestants
1: sure sure many times and I, I just got back from I spent uh, the weekend with my uh, siblings, which was very, very fun. But my sister was not a big my sister is very, very funny, but my sister was never a game player. And so that I remember often as a child, like being like very frustrated of, OK, I've set this game up. It's ready to go. It's all set. And my sister being like, "Nah, eh, I'm, I'm not playing. I can relate to that. My
0: brother is not the biggest um, uh proponent of my shenanigans he doesn't really indulge in the fun that I Mm -hmm. set up Uh, growing up I definitely had to like pull teeth to get him to participate sometimes
1: but um, yeah it's very frustrating and I see it with my own uh, children also Um, but then my younger brother who there's a big age difference between us uh, that he is eight and a half years younger than me Uh, he did not have a choice and so I was able to then You know, make up games and then he would have no alternative uh, but to, you know, play games with me. And I was able to, you know, incept him from a young age of being able to be, you know, uh, like a part of like whatever sort of, uh, you know, games, a lot of video games uh, then with him when uh, we were growing up.
0: Yeah. And I know uh, later in my list of notes, I definitely want to talk about like how your life as a dad has shaped your media. But um, I know recently you've talked a little bit, at least on the patron podcast that you do with your incredible and hilarious wife, Nicole, that like your kids are getting more and more into video games. Were you a video game kid growing up? Yeah,
1: I mean, I definitely uh, had a Nintendo, but I didn't have it like from like a very, very young age. I probably I think I was at least like 10 or 11 by the time uh, we had gotten like a our own Nintendo in the house and so I, I definitely you know spent a lot of time playing the uh, the nintendo we didn't have like a, every single game we had like uh you know a, the basically a, a lot of the staples and then if we were very good or lucky then we would be able to go to the video store and rent a video game did you have a favorite I feel like that I didn't have very eccentric tastes in the video game. So I I think that like, other than like the obvious ones, the one that I remember spending a lot of time with was a game. It was called baseball stars. And so it was a baseball game, but you could create and edit the roster of like, so you could like make a team of like, had all the different people like in your family or the different people from a, a tv show and then like and then as you win games you would get money you made the most money if you played the lovely ladies uh they were like a team of all women and they wore pink and so uh yeah that and the american dreams those were and the american dreams were just like uh the they, they were like the highest level of teams uh but if you played against those teams you could win more money and then uh, do upgrades for your players on your team so you could then i spent a lot of time with that game and then every once in a while that the internal memory on the nintendo would just crap out and you just mm-hmm. lose everything
0: yeah that's the unfortunate thing about those older video games same thing with right?
1: legend of zelda had the same thing where you could re- save your progress but then every once in a while like, eh, it's all gone
0: Um, So you mentioned baseball, and I know
1: you're a big sports
0: guy. Um, Did your love of sports also start from a very young age?
1: Well, my dad was a very big fan of the Mets and the Jets. And I really, um, from a young age, I remember my dad taking me to a lot of Mets games. And I remember often like reading, like getting the newspaper and like reading the box scores of the different uh, Mets games. And so I spent, you know, the Met game was just always on. They play 162 games in a season and that was just always on. And so that was like very formative. I didn't really get into following football until much later. And I think that that was also by way of a video game that I had been uh, we had gotten the Tecmo Super Bowl uh, and the, in Tecmo, not the original Tecmo Bowl, which did not have the Jets, uh, but in Tecmo Super Bowl, it had the names of all the players. And so that was sort of my brother and I, we, we play that. And then it was like, oh, okay. Oh, well, this is actually really going on. And we could really, really talk about this. And so that uh, probably around not until like 1992-ish was like around the first time I really was actively following the NFL and
0: those are like your big two sports right like I know you've dabbled with the other sports but you're not a volleyball girly you're not a basketball (laughs) girly.
1: no no I didn't know uh there were so many people into volleyball uh but the basketball uh, that actually around like in the 90s was probably the most I was ever into basketball because in the New York area the Knicks actually were very uh good during that time and so they were in the playoffs every single year and they play the bulls and they play the Pacers. And so those games, uh, like, especially at a time when there was no football, like there was a lot of attention on the Knicks, but that was probably the height of my basketball fandom, sort of the mid nineties.
0: And you stay loyal to the Knicks, right? Your kids aren't Lakers fans or i tried
1: to get into other teams. And so it's uh, famously, uh, I gave yeah, it a well, go with the Raptors. The, with the Raptors. Uh, at one point I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to be a Nets fan. I like the Mets. I like the Jets. Maybe I should be a Nets fan. But I feel like that um, the Knicks, I think, are really the team that there's the would be the most, I think, enjoyable for me to root for. But that being said, they've been bad for 25 years.
0: Yeah. Um, so with your kids, if they were like Bobcat fans, all of a sudden, would you be fine with that? Or would you try to like uh, honestly, push them if, back to the,
1: no, I, I, if they had a favorite basketball team, if they became, you know, if they were fans of Charlotte or, or, or any basketball team, I, I would, you know, just root for whoever they were rooting for and, you know, just have uh, a reason to, to watch it.
0: That's exciting. Yeah. Just uh supportive dad moment there.
1: Sure. And hockey, it's up for grabs. Whatever the kids want to do. They want to be, you know, Carolina Hurricane fans. Go for it.
0: Um, So uh, in terms of, like, the movies that you grew up on, I know you're, like, a big Star Wars fan. You just did the Indiana Jones rewatch project Mm -hmm. with Josh. Um, What other movies growing up were, uh,
1: like, very important to you? Uh, Well, well, I would say, you know, Star Wars, I I would not say that I was, like, the biggest Star Wars fan, but there really, there wasn't another option. It wasn't like that, hey, now I have the choice of you were, you know, a eight-year-old kid in, you know, 1985 and you you just, you you like Star Wars. That was it. You know, that was, that was what was there. And so, it was like a really big deal and it was like hard to see the movies. This is also like pre- vhs and you know it was a bi- it was a big deal like star wars was on this was a thing for kids and you know you would be very excited about it so I, I did i did really like star wars but i would say like i was not necessarily like i was like star wars obsessed it was just like one of the things that were like cool to watch if you were you know of up, up that age so yeah star wars was um was big but you know it Uh, back to the future is probably my all-time favorite movie but a lot of times it was just like the the movies were just on it wasn't necessarily like okay this is my favorite i I guess you could like turn it off but you didn't have a ton of choice it was just like these are the movies and and these are the ones that they're just on all the time these are your options you got to kind of stick with it or be bored and play outside Right, there really wasn't a ton of choice that you would have with things. It was like again, like with the TV channels. Like uh, I know I'm sounding like I'm a hundred years old, but like that's just there were a couple of channels. These were the things that were on. And did you like what was on? No, but did you watch it? Yeah, I guess because it was on. And that probably goes the same for television,
0: like the shows you watched. I know, like at some point you got into like the TGIF lineup, like
1: comedies. Yes, but, sure. That, I mean. Yeah. These were comedies that were on TV. So if you were a kid, you know, that it was like, well, like, is this my favorite show? No, but it's on. And so it's a comedy or, the, you know, am I going to watch, you know, this comedy or a, you know, procedural medical drama or soap opera that's on TV? I was always going to watch the sitcom that was on. And I, I don't know what it says about the, the world now, but it's just like you ended up just like watching you almost like rarely were watching a thing that was your favorite, but you just were watching things that were on where now I feel like you almost never would watch something that you don't really like.
0: Yeah. Unless you're doing one of those free TV channels. Like sometimes like I will put on Pluto TV in the background just because I'm like, I want weird yeah. commercials.
1: In and, the background. and I feel like that this has been discussed a lot about that. Then there is this, okay, well, I know there are infinite choices. And so that there is like decision fatigue that goes into all of this because I have the option of every single show that was ever made. If I'm not watching something that's great, this is a failure on me as opposed to when I was a kid, it was like, yeah, like too bad. They can't make a good show and put it on
0: there. There's definitely decision paralysis. I've felt it quite a number of times in the last year, just with so many things out there. Um, Just, overwhelming with what do i watch there's so many things i want to watch i can't even pick
1: and then i end up like picking a movie (laughs) yeah before and then yeah you end up like uh, people just watch things it's like well everybody watches this so let me just uh watch this so i can you know uh, know what people are talking about
0: yeah that's that's why i got into succession and i know that at one point in time that's probably why you got into it like because it was just part
1: of the culture yeah i got into it people told me that i would really like it and they were right
0: yeah. I, listen, I agree with all your takes about the finale. Like we don't need to rehash all that, mm-hmm. but I I wish it was Lawrence Yee at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh do you have a favorite of the comedies or is it again like whatever was on? Because I know you've talked a lot about like Saved by the Bell, you did a whole Seinfeld rewatch yeah. project.
1: I mean, I feel like that uh Pee Wee's Big Adventure okay. was a very uh important movie uh and for that, me. Uh-huh. I feel like a lot yes oh okay yes that's that's right um it was a very proud moment for me where uh that i showed that movie to my kids i we had like a really great day back in the spring where and it turned out it was the day that i was like really like annoyed i had a lot of work to do on a friday and then nicole had like a doctor's appointment or something and she was like hey uh and the kids ended up uh like I don't know if they were homesick from school. I forget what it was, but it was sort of like a unexpected or I didn't know they had like an off day. I think I think that they actually had an off day from school and also Anthony was sick and I was like, all right, we're just going to like, all right, let's just watch movies. And they were on the couch. And that was one of the movies we watched that day. We watched uh, Rookie of the Year, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Liar Liar uh, all in one day. Uh, and they did really uh, rookie of the year. They were fine with, they did seem to really like Pee Wee Herman and then liar, liar only hold held Anthony's attention. Mm-hmm. But when they were getting in trouble recently and uh, Anthony was getting yelled at about something and he's, you know, he could be very stubborn, he's like his mom. And so uh, then he went and she was like, Anthony, like, uh, like uh, she said to him that to, that you just, you don't, listen to reason and then i heard them like upstairs and they're like i like hysterical laughing and then they came downstairs i said like what's so funny and he's like dominic said that when mom said i was not listening to reason i should have been like shh shh i'm listening to reason uh, which was one of the things that when peewee is engaged with francis uh that he says to him so I was uh you know very happy that that callback made it through,
0: yeah, uh, that it, you incepted them into liking this movie and having uh this quote,
1: yeah, yeah, so that was really I feel like the the movie clue uh like I just have to think back to like when I had like v h s tapes like these were like the v h s tapes uh that I had, and uh the movie clue was another you know a uh, big favorite of mine, and um you know a- anything adam sandler uh when you know he started to like start to make his movies um that was really uh you know just i was like so blown away and really SN anything snl
0: yeah um what do you have a recollection of the first time you really got into SNL or like the moment that you were like oh this is great I want to dabble with this show for a while
1: um I don't remember I I know my parents had it on um and so like I feel like that they would record it and then watch it back the next day and then it would be probably like around like the late 80s was when I started to get into it and then uh, my parents uh, would, you know, would record it and, you know, church lady and, all, I, you know, Dana Carvey was like my all time favorite SNL person. And I'm so happy that he is like still out there He's having like a little bit of a renaissance right now. But I remember having like a CD-ROM of like the SNL 15 year anniversary. It was like, wow, SNL. 50, can you believe it? 15 years old. And so, like, 1976 to 1991, and they put out, like, a DVD of, like, all the sketches. And then I believe, like, 91 or 92, this is when, like, Wayne's World also becomes, like, the biggest movie at that particular time. And I was just, like, uh, so engaged with, uh, with that. I was so excited about Wayne's World was, uh, was a hit. It still remains a hit. It's off and on in the break
0: room. Mm-hmm. Um, at work, but uh, in terms of SNL, Wayne's World* two, uh,
1: not highly yeah, regarded.
0: Yeah, uh, *SNL*. Do you still keep up with it at all in the last few years, or did you? No, tap out No, I really,
1: point? I really don't keep up with it in the real time. But I will say that on YouTube, uh, there are so many sketches that are available that that is one of the things that really does hold my kids' attention. Of we that we watch a lot of *SNL* sketches, uh, like just like bouncing around through time i've got like my finger on the like back button if it gets very inappropriate but Mm -hmm. they they do love it and you watch all snl like not not just like whatever
0: they put up from the last episode they'll watch all time if it
1: looks interesting we'll uh give it a shot yeah
0: yeah um now in terms of uh the Reality TV, which if people do not know, um, you not only podcast about it, but you've been on it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, you were on Survivor the Amazon and uh Survivor All-Stars. Uh, but like your backstory was that you wanted to be on Big Brother. I've heard it a million times. I'm just mm-hmm. like truncating it because mm-hmm. you wanted to be an indoor kid um as opposed to being out in the wilderness. I thought
1: I would die, Felipe.
0: Yeah. Um, honestly it makes sense survivor especially like those early seasons you were watching australia and now africa and or africa um mm-hmm. and those were much tougher than big brother 2 where they're chilling on a hot tub and swinging peanut Chill butter town. jars around yeah. yeah um but uh like what i don't think i've actually ever heard uh specifically what spoke to you about these shows and the genre like specifically like i know you were a fan and you like had your favorite contestants but like what were like the, what was like the biggest thing? Was it just like the, that it was part of the culture? Was it the game? Was it the, the, they all lived together and it was like the social experiment?
1: So I had been a fan of the real world through most of the nineties. And so I really did enjoy like uh, those shows like, and I watched uh, most of them like, and a lot of times I would like catch up with them like through like the, they had like a marathon of like all the episodes. On a saturday and so i thought that that would be like just like the coolest thing to be on the real world one day and then um watching survivor when it first came out was um it was just so exciting because there was there was just a lot of hype around the concept of like can you believe they're doing this they're putting people on an island and it was a lot of excitement of like what's going to happen and also, like, these are real people. Like, these are not actors. They're real people. And there was so much interest in them just as celebrities. Like, what would they do? Who would like? Who would get along? Are they going to fight? Are they going to fall in love? Like, what's what's going to happen to them? And so it was just – I don't know. I think I really do love, you know, people and characters. Like, I think that I, – I really do think that that's interesting. And I love – getting to understand um different types of people and so i think that that's also like very interesting for me and you have the 16 you know original survivors right and i will like you know never forget them until the day that i die like uh like all of them and it was just so exciting that they were going to be out there and i I think i just love the idea that these were people on tv and this was like new and novel and, and it gave me a reason to talk to people about the you know I, I loved getting to talk about tv even like in my real life i remember like being so excited to go to work the days after survivor and talk to people in my office that cared about survivor and i was just like uh, so excited to talk to anybody else who was also watching survivor about what was just going to happen
0: And you've kept it up for 22 years now (laughs) with Mm -hmm. a little break in between. I do know you took a break at some point.
1: Yeah, there was a point in my life where I was not actively talking about Survivor too much, but it's just like that it's such a interest. There's so many different things to talk about with Survivor and reality TV.
0: Yeah, and it's such an interesting uh, genre. And I know at one point you dabbled with like writing for TV and I'm sure like you also watched like reality TV and that was like also like a basis of like seeing how humans actually interact as opposed to like these crafted characters. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. something that spoke to you, but that's always something that like when I've done the writing that I've done in college and since then uh, it's always been interesting to think about like how the people on these shows that I watched that are reality and unscripted interact with each other as opposed to like the very polished and then you clean it up on like the future drafts, but like as an inspiration.
1: So, I have to say that I never quite connected those two things. Uh, for me, that I, I wanted to write comedy, I wanted to yeah. write like sitcom, and I feel like that the people like uh, the things about reality TV, like the sitcom world, is like very yeah. disconnected to that. The thing that I loved about trying to try to write sitcom is that I felt like it was like a mathematical equation that you were trying to figure out of like, okay, you have this character with these traits that has these like uh, specific personality quirks and then what is like the right combination like what could you invent to have happen to that person or around that person that would create the maximum amount of discomfort or enjoyment for the audience and so I i love the idea of like breaking the stories of, like, what would happen. And then, ultimately, I mean, I, we, we haven't talked about, like, Seinfeld at all, but yeah. Seinfeld was, like, so formative for me. You know, I watched uh, all of these, like, shows because they were on. And then at the, you know, onset of the 90s, really, I think it was actually, like, 89. I think I even watched, like, the, like, f- like the first couple of episodes that Seinfeld, who, that we had an uncle who had like videotaped Jerry Seinfeld's HBO special and it was on and I just remember this is the guy this is the funniest guy and I could watch him because he told clean jokes like he was never told a. I mean Jerry Seinfeld maybe now but you know never told a dirty joke for you know 30 years and so it was just like okay oh Seinfeld is getting a show okay and then it turned out to be like the show and so that to me was just like, uh, such a thrill. Like I watched all of the Seinfeld episodes, like in the real time. And then, you know, Jess like, uh, had a, it was very formative for me. And so that, that was sort of like, uh, you know, the way that, you know, the Seinfeld was, uh, was put together. I feel like that that was something I always wanted to try my hand at writing sitcom. And I did. And ultimately, I found out that uh, it was I it was not what I was meant to do.
0: No, for sure. And also um, the hustle of this particular industry, the film and TV industry, it is a very long and arduous grind at times. So, yeah. Like if and- you found your love podcasting and you were able to make that uh your own thing
1: afterwards i'll say like if if i would have like had like some like master stroke of luck where like i could have been like an assistant like in the right place uh in in the right time and so like i i think that like i could i think i could have done it but that at the at the time that i was trying to do this which was like sort of like 2008 2009 you really needed to like uh, that. The discovery process for writers was you had to write, 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 rewrite, 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 rewrite write, 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 and it's like very much like homework. And that was yeah. never my strong suit. Like if you if you got me in the building, like I think I would have been able to worm my way into the job. But being an outsider and trying to get in, like that was never going to happen. For me in terms of like i would sit there and look at the cursor but like if i was in the room with people like trying to break the story i i think i i, I think i could have done it i think i would have been good at it but unfortunately like that just was uh not you know what the world had in store for me
0: it's very identifiable like this this feeling that you just talked about like it's um like you just have to hustle and it's exhausting. And like, I definitely have had nights where I'm looking at the screen and just like staring back at a blank page. But mm-hmm. I feel like a collaboration is better suited for me, like the breaking of the stories in the writer's room. So I can definitely identify with what you said um, in that last moment. And I also know you dabbled in stand up for a minute as well. Yes,
1: also I told you my hero is Jerry Seinfeld and I had always wanted to uh, try to do stand-up comedy. I thought I would uh, be good at it and it turns out that I wasn't. You know, again, maybe like I think I could have done the type of stand-up comedy like if if I was in born in the, you know uh, a decade earlier. And I was trying to do stand-up comedy when it was like uh and uh like have you uh have you have you seen this like uh yeah. where it's very much like observational comedy I think that that was and again, maybe that's because of what I was raised on. I think that that's like how my brain goes whereas at the time that I was trying to do person uh, like stand-up comedy, you know there was a lot of like talk about like okay. You need to establish like what your comic character is. And I feel like I never really could uh, really come up with the, you know, um, you know, you go go up on the stage and it's like, uh, like, I look like the this person and this person had a baby. Uh, And then it's like, uh, you know, basically, you know, the audience sort of like gets who you are as a character, your unique perspective on the world. And I really felt like I didn't have a unique perspective on the world. Like I had, like I wanted to talk about like commercials that I saw and things that were happening on TV. I didn't have like uh you know this uniquely hilarious like upbringing to talk about or this you know uh you know these unique stories that only I could be the person who was telling. And so I, I really felt like I was struggling to uh, find my voice doing stand-up comedy. And also, in similarly, that stand-up comedy is, you know, you basically have to just work and hone, and, you know, you have your material, and you just have to go out there every single night and go out there and do it over and over and over again. And maybe some people don't need to practice as much, but I felt like that I would get up on the stage and I would forget what I was going to talk about, and I would not have the exact – like, my jokes were so wordy that I didn't have the exact wording – down for the jokes and you know these are things that comedians work at and and frankly like i just did not have the work ethic or the skill set to uh do that day in and day out it was very taxing on you know having a i was in the early days of having a relationship with nicole and so like how many nights a week it's like hey i'm gonna go to this uh drive out to this bar and wait two and a half, three hours, uh, to be able to yeah, do minutes. my, do my five minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I started trying to stand up in November. Um, and this has also been my biggest challenge is like finding my point of voice. Like I have like the things that I've found to work are like very deeply specific to me, but I also don't want to do that all the time. I want to talk about like w- my observation, like, especially like my pop culture absor- observations, like, like you said, the commercial that you saw, Um, That you want to talk about that's like been my biggest challenge as well like trying to find Things that I want to talk about that are both interesting to me that I also don't have to like Be vulnerable on stage, which can also be scary.
1: Yeah, and really the biggest difference between stand-up comedy and doing something online is that online people who are interested in what you are going to talk about are looking for you whereas that stand-up comedy is the equivalent of like, okay, you are just are in an airport and now make these 30 people laugh and you can't talk about. So uh, did you see the amazing race last (laughs) night? Uh, What was going on with Phil's hair? Uh, Did you see that? And so you can't do that. People are like, wait, what are you, what are you talking about? So I could even like talk about, you know, Hey, I was on the show survivor. uh, And so but people are like oh wait what like uh like they don't know what happened or it's like uh and can you believe like uh there was this guy Butch and mm-hmm. and it was you know very hard to like i just could make a joke about the idea of a person like being on survivor but it it was not like specific to what i wanted to like talk about i feel like having like very specific takes about you know, different things that I was watching or seeing or had thought of, it doesn't necessarily play in a stand up comedy club.
0: And for me, at least one of the most, uh, like it kind of broke my brain. I have a joke about the B movie. You mentioned Jerry Seinfeld. And then I'm like, I have to explain the B movie so that they understand the joke, just in case they live under a rock. Um, mm-hmm. so like that's like the kind of stuff where it's like, well, if you haven't seen the bee movie, it's about a woman who has an affair with a bee. Um, so that like and have to explain, but what
1: and- I'm dying to hear the joke. <laughs>
0: uh, I honestly am kind of rusty. I will send you the tick tock that I uh, mm-hmm. my my uh, last time that I went out and I'll send you the video if you want. Yeah, but, uh, it was it was this whole monologue about how I think. Uh, the B movie is more realistic than most of Quentin Tarantino's movies. Um, Okay. Because someone that I know said that animation is like not realistic. And it was just this diatribe that I went on, but um, I'll send you, I'll send you the clip if you want. I'll email Mm. it to you afterwards. Okay. Um, But like, uh, you mentioned Jerry Seinfeld also uh, coming up. I don't know when, but there's a Netflix movie that he's making about the Pop Tart. You and Chappelle should lock that in for nothing but Netflix. Definitely okay, would love definitely. to hear your take. We'll, on we'll that. do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the man who invented the Pop Tart. Are you a Pop-Tart guy? I like a Pop Tart, but I'm not like a Pop Top Pop-Tart guy. Like, um, it's usually what one of the go-to snacks in a vending machine for me, but I don't know. Are you a Pop-Tart guy?
1: I'm really not. I think that in the college vending machine. I do yep. remember feeling like it was, like, pretty good, like, bang for the buck. Like yeah. I feel like if it was, like, whatever, like a dollar twenty-five, Like, I felt like, okay, it's not quite candy. And it's kind of a meal. Right. And so, all right, this is at least, like, okay, I don't have any food. Like, this is, and there's two of them in the packet. So, it's something. Look at you, Rob, talking about food on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Broke. but I don't remember like loving the yeah. pop tart. Like, not... go to flavor, or is it just what I, I think was there? it was just strawberry? I feel like that I've tried like different ones that were like the s'mores and stuff like that, but you can have it, you can keep yeah. it, and you don't keep you the can miss in me with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you've also done improv as well, right? Um, I did take uh, an improv course, that was something I also uh, had wanted to do that was on my bucket yeah. list.
0: Yeah, that's definitely been something on my, like when I moved to LA, I like wanted to take some classes when I got out here, but, mm-hmm. um, and I talked to Mike Bloom for this project also. And he said that like improv is also really exciting to use in the podcasting space, especially with the brand steals that you all do. Um, but like, have you seen like improv did, when you took the improv class, you were podcasting at the time, right? Already? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And did you see like any difference in like the podcasting you had done beforehand or did you just like feel like you kind of like took some of that into a podcast you're not really
1: yeah i think that it's hard to take it into um every podcast yeah Um, there are definitely some podcasts that you can lean on it more where that i can remember like you know you're saying things on a podcast and you know Improv is kind of like you're, you're making stuff up, you know, you, yeah. you are improvising and you can't improvise. And then also, and the audience on an improv show is understanding that you are like, these stories are not true, but I have found sometimes like, I'm, I, I'm just like improvising something. And now I'll get like an email after like, um, where it's like, you know, uh, like somebody will say like, oh, you said, uh, uh, did you eat pop tarts? Like, uh, like, Oh yeah. Like I, like, uh, I eat, uh, of course I eat pop tarts. You know, I eat pop tarts every, every three meals a day. Um, so it doesn't always fit in. And then I'll get like emails from people. Oh, I'm like, Oh, I was, that was, I was just like joking around. that was not, uh, so it's hard when, you know, I'm tr- like trying to be funny, but then also like I need to, you know, um, you know, make sure that the audience knows that if I'm, like, joking around about something. I do feel like that the general vibe of a podcast, like, I find that the uh, yes and of podcasting is, like, uh, is pretty important. And in the same way that you improvise a scene, like, I think that you need to be, like, podcasting with, like, a giving partner. And I have podcasts with people who I feel like are very giving partners. And then I feel like that there are people who are, are not the best at that. And so it, it, it's a challenge. So in the same way that you would have like a great scene partner, you know, if you have like a great podcast co-host, they can, you know, pick you up and make everything you're doing better.
0: And I'm sure it's been difficult feel like, pulling teeth for the the scene partners like all these random survivors that you've interviewed especially in the early days of the podcast where like you would have people calling in from a Dodgers game I'm sure that was like not as easy as like podcasting with Mike Bloom who is down for any shenanigans
1: sure sure that and in terms of the guests I don't think it's as much of a big deal because uh sometimes you could have a good guest or a bad guest but I am mostly like asking them questions, and I think that the guests mostly want to be there. And so, as long as it's not like somebody who's there against their will, it's it's mostly not too much of an issue. But the improvising also, I think, helps with like doing things like uh, the ad reads and stuff like that. So it was, you know, definitely a interesting uh, skill set. And the people that that are really good at it, like it's so fun to watch.
0: um I like just natural wit is something that i admire so much because i feel like i am such a chronic overthinker so like seeing people who whether it's just like seamless jokes or uh going with anything is so uh cool and inspiring to watch because i feel like i overthink everything so to see like someone like mike or Chappelle just like going for it and like succeeding and you as well in this boat um is always exciting because it's like damn these are such talented individuals
1: hmm yeah. that um it's very very fun when you get to watch like uh, i watched a lot of on uh, uh, uh you know on uh, uh, ask cap uh ask cat is that what it is uh from ucb with uh you know amy poehler and uh it's just a, a lot of like really fun like uh improv stuff that's out there
0: yeah how was their show i know you've briefly talked about uh her show with tina fey uh, yeah it was podcast, it was very but, like-
1: fun I, the the greatest thrill for me though was that Nicole uh, really loved it, so it was uh, very very fun to go see. I thought that uh, Tina Fey actually was really, uh, you know, um, was, was very very good on the. You know, I, I don't know if I was expecting um, as much from Tina Fey, but Tina Fey I thought was really great. She did like um, you know ten minutes of stand up. I thought was really really funny. So. I came away, even though I had been like a big Thirty Rock uh, fan and I had written a Thirty Rock spec script, um, I I was um, not expecting Tina Fey to deliver as much uh, in a live show.
0: That's that's exciting to hear that Uh, she can she like pulled through
1: and uh, blew you out of the water. Um, She's like I think often um, more of the you know uh, straight person on Thirty Rock, and so. Um, you know, with all of the like broader characters that are on 30 Rock, but you know, she's just very, very funny.
0: For sure. Um, and uh, these current people, like do you keep up with like stand-up and like do you watch a lot of like these specials or not really? You know, lately so in the last blonde.
1: year, um that I have watched a lot of stand-up comedy um because of uh, I just feel like that when we are looking for something we talked about, like that decision fatigue. Where Nicole and I are like, okay, we don't want to start a new show. Uh, I'm not into like a whole, like a whole movie. Let's just put on uh, a like any Netflix stand up special. And I feel like I've um, at least started almost all of the stand up comedy on Netflix. Do you have any favorites? The one that I really loved recently was uh, Sheng Wang. Okay. Um, but it's it's a little hard because sometimes like my taste is not exactly the same taste as nicole and so if nicole's not feeling a person and there could be any number of reasons why she doesn't like a person um that then it sort of like uh hurts my enjoyment because it's uh hard to you know uh like have but like if, if so if they, if they can make nicole laugh i'm like okay great great yeah um, and and my ki- kids especially dominic really are very interested in stand-up comedy um and so i've been like uh watching like jim gaffigan has a stand-up special and you know we have um you know uh that they like i'll like uh catch him like he'll watch like a stand-up video on youtube and i just hear him like i'm like did you is this original material or this (laughs) is like but he could hear a thing once and like parrot it back he's a Child of the medium
0: and I, I feel like you were probably like that also like you uh you are very uh observant in terms of like the quotes that stand out to you, I feel like even mm-hmm. in the podcast and like the soundboard, I feel like what is similar in terms of that like you pull the clips that like stand out to you and then you just go around parroting those i'm sure
1: hmm yeah. yeah the the um, you know the soundboard um definitely like I feel like that. Of uh, that's really more of like a radio thing that was yeah. like very very popular especially like in the 90s of like you know using like the all these clips but um it's it, you know definitely repetition is uh very much uh, key
0: um do you so who I feel like you and Nicole probably have different like tastes slightly in stand-up like is there someone that like you really like that she didn't and then someone that like she really liked that you didn't or is it just kind of like you're good with everything and she's just kind of like sometimes she's not about it.
1: So I'll say the biggest difference is like I like somebody who has jokes. Um, okay. Nicole, uh, they think she's a little bit more into it And like the biggest like uh, like person that we have like this difference over is uh, Chelsea Handler. Okay. Nicole will watch like, oh, Chelsea Handler has a new stand-up special chelsea handler doesn't have any jokes i i feel like that chelsea handler is like all right let me tell you this story you know so I-, I don't necessarily love a comedian that's just stories of um you know just i i want somebody who's like written jokes of like uh here is a premise and then a payoff like a punchline as opposed to just like uh let me tell you about my uh, my sister, who's an a hole. Uh,
0: yeah, so she she likes the storytelling, and you like the more cerebral type of like the that you can see that there's like an outline that's been crafted.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not gonna say that there aren't people that are more storytellers that I don't uh, appreciate more, and there aren't people who are more joke tellers that Nicole doesn't appreciate more. But Nicole will like uh, say like, "Oh, this guy is annoying," or. <laughs> I don't like this person because he reminds me of this other person Mm -hmm. uh so it's a little bit of a like tough uh needle to thread does she like nicole byer i feel like she would like nicole byer um i I i'm sure uh she would but i feel like uh i don't think that uh i've seen her uh specials i've seen her hosting i haven't seen her stand up
0: she has a really good special from like last December, so not not december 2022 but like december mm-hmm. 2021 that i think
1: nicole might enjoy hopefully yeah, you would like I, it because i, I will say nicole that butter. the the most like the thing that has aged uh, like milk is like all the covid material that people uh yeah. did so a lot of the stand-up specials from the last two years uh are like a little bit of like oh okay we're out we're all gonna die uh-oh like uh like a lockdown oh my god uh what was that you know so it that that kind of stuff I feel like did not age great. It's not super funny. Uh like the like okay, here's my 20 minutes of COVID material.
0: Yeah, does Nicole Beyer have a uh story about a drive-by funeral for a cat during the pandemic? She does. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's not one that you will uh want to be racing towards if you're a little burnt out on the COVID material because I feel you on that. COVID mm-hmm. like I'm ready to move forward. Mm -hmm. um but in terms of like do you uh you talked about radio and i know you're a big howard stern guy and have been uh for years uh like like i said at the start like college radio i definitely got in because like it was like oh it's like a podcast um because i grew up listening to you so in terms Mm -hmm. of like the college radio that led into podcasts i'm sure what did you used to do on your radio shows out of curiosity
1: so, I actually did more on TV than oh, on radio yeah. in college. Um, that there was a so I that I went to the State University of New York at Oswego, uh, which I believe they just call like Oswego State University, uh, now. And it is uh, on the shores of Lake Ontario and uh, about 45 minutes north of Syracuse. And um, the thing that I was very excited about was that they had a broadcasting program and they had a TV station uh, and a student run radio station. And I was like, I can't believe I'm going to get to go here and I'm going to, you know, start to work on my craft of doing stuff on TV and doing stuff uh, on the radio. And so I was on the college TV station. I did a sports cast. And I had loved also SportsCenter in the 90s. And then SportsCenter then was like really like uh, everybody was very funny. And for me, it was, uh, you know, okay, sports were great. But really, it was the, you know, getting to say the funny thing uh, when somebody like hits the home run or having catchphrases. And that was the stuff that I really loved about sports Center. And so I was like, okay, well, this is going to be my opportunity because you can't really be funny in the weather. You can't be funny in the news. But the one thing on the newscast that can be funny is the sports. And so that was going to be my thing. And I had an audition to be on the um, TV station. And I got put on like the – like one of the nights of the week, like the nightly sportscast on Thursday nights. And so it was like a huge thrill – for me because usually they would start people like on the morning like they would put like the worst people in the morning middle average people in the afternoon newscast and then the best people would be on at night and so i was a freshman and i remember that they called me the freshman sensation on All like right. a commercial that like a check out like WTOP news and on Thursdays catch the freshman sensation um and so that was like a really big thrill for me. I I was on the radio, but the radio was like um, just like every now and then. I didn't but, have like a DJ spot or anything. Yeah, you weren't you weren't DJ Robbie Fresh. I don't no, know. no, no. So I never played music. I was on. There was like a point where I think that there was some time where. There was like a sports cast that was on the radio station. And I think I was like slotted. And I remember like being down there with a couple of people like talking, but the the TV really was where I spent a lot more
0: of my time. And uh, so I know you've talked about like how you wanted to like do game shows when you were a kid and you went to school for media and later on wanted to be a writer. Um, What was like your all time like career goal or like dream career
1: like growing up? Well, I wanted to be a game show host. I mean, that was really uh, the like when I was like a little kid. And then um, I then I really felt like that. Then my other dream was to be a, you know, write for television. I I remember reading an article and uh, I was behind the desk at Cayuga Hall. And you could like uh, I don't know if people got like subscriptions to magazines and you would just like read magazines that got delivered to the other kids that were waiting uh, in their mailbox in their mailbox. And I don't remember if it was like Entertainment Weekly or maybe it was Maxim. I don't know. Uh, But it said like, hey, if you're one of like if you're one of the funniest people in your fraternity, you could definitely get a job writing for television. I was like, all right. Uh, And ironically, reality TV came along and there was probably like, you know, 43 sitcoms on television every year. And then reality TV came along and then ultimately like really cannibalized, uh, you know, how much written content there was on television. So I ultimately uh, might have gotten like hoisted by my own petard a little bit uh, with that, but it all worked out. I'm not going to complain. Yeah. I mean, it definitely might've like took
0: some time to get where you needed to be in the long run, but it, like you said, it worked out. Uh, you've been podcasting full-time for what, nine years now?
1: Uh, longer than, uh, yeah. well, I guess, I guess, yeah, nine years of uh, the yeah. full-time uh, podcast. And so I really started that at the beginning of 2014, but yeah, it'll be, yeah. Uh, you know, 10 years uh, in, uh, in January.
0: Look at you now, Rob. Yeah. Um, how far you've come uh and uh in terms of the the reality tv like was there any hesitation in like going because i know a lot of times like people who were like trying to be on tv were going onto reality tv for like acting pursuits was there any hesitation of like uh, going on Survivor when the opportunity came, or you're just like, no, I'm going immediately regardless.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I could not. Other than dying, I, I <laughs> didn't really think that there was a downside. It was not like I, I didn't have anything going on that it's like, oh, this is going to screw up my career. Uh, this is, people will perceive me differently. I, I thought even if I lost, like, what did I have to lose? Like, okay. I that I was not invited to any Survivor parties at that point. And I felt like that even if I go on Survivor and I'm the first boot, like I will still get to go to Survivor parties and meet Survivors. So I really felt like that I was playing with house money the whole way through. So really, I was very concerned about my personal safety. But outside of that, like it wasn't like I was I had just turned 24 years old. It wasn't like I had like a family that I needed to support. Like I could not fail here other than dying. And uh,
0: I feel like your personality shown through, you
1: were the star of
0: the Amazon for sure. Or uh, if you don't want to give yourself that credit, you are a star of the
1: Amazon. I would say um, I was the person that had the most fun. And yeah. for me, that there was, there was nothing that was going to be not fun about the experience. So I, I went out there and I felt like, okay, how do I, um, you know, I'm on TV and this is maybe maybe like a means to an end of like an opportunity so all right how like let me what jokes can i tell what joke 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 um, and you know i was a little bit of like a different character on the show in my in my confessionals cuz you know going back to that conversation about stand up comedy and sort of like establishing the your comic character like, I think I've sort of like, okay, well, like, here's, here's my character that comes across. I'm the guy that, you know, can't get a date and would do anything to get one. And so I think that that was like really what was playing well in the, in the casting room. And so I'm like, every time I had the opportunity to do like confessional, it's like, this is my opportunity to be on TV. And here are the jokes, uh, you know, about that. That wasn't exactly. I mean, that was part of me. Certainly. Uh, I was a guy who I did live with my parents. Like I I didn't have any dates. I would have liked some. But like, I mean, I think that probably, you know, my parents or people I worked with were like, well, that's I mean, that's not how Rob is in real life.
0: Yeah, no, but as you mentioned, like tying it back to the stand-up, it does. I watched your highlight reel again last night in prep for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, great material, like Amazon is a top tier season. Uh, but you were doing like observational comedy with references to pop culture, but also like to the people that were around you. And like the beauty of that was you were doing it in confessional. The story that they ended up showing was like, oh, this is making sense with like what Rob is saying. You were the narrator of the season. And so like all the observations you would make about Matthew or Jenna or Heidi or Butch, like everyone was there and they could see what you were doing. And also you did a lot of pop culture material. Like one of my favorites is like the spears that, you know, are Britney, Mm -hmm. asparagus, broccoli. Uh, So like you were doing a lot of like weird pop culture references that like you wanted to do for stand up. So it was like kind of your own little like a stand up world that you were doing out there.
1: It was a like a great opportunity. I mean, that's how I looked at it. it was it was like an opportunity? I get to be like you're, I get to be on TV. Like uh, this is like what I've been dreaming of my whole life, and so now I'm here. And so anytime you put a camera in my face, I'm going. I'm gonna say something. And like is 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 all of it great? No, and does all of it hold up? Definitely not. But I'm just basically like out there trying to like, hey, let me like let me be on TV. This is like I've been I've been waiting for this. And it seemed like you were having a blast. And obviously
0: you said that you had the most fun there. But like that seems like a fun group of people that like you got to hang out with.
1: We had a very young cast and it was I do think cast to be I, I don't know how much of. The Amazon casting was as a result of, okay, well, people did not like Thailand. I mean, Thailand had just started at the point where we were sent out there. So I don't think they necessarily knew what the reaction was to Thailand. But I do think that they felt like, okay, we're going to do this battle of the sexes. And we want this to be sort of like a you know a younger season. And because it's the battle of the sexes. You know, they really wanted to, uh, you know, have it be a season where that there was like some sexual tension between the men and the women. And they were looking for somebody. They felt like they didn't have anybody who was funny on the cast. And I had gone through casting for big brother and Josh Feinberg, who ultimately got my spot in big brother three, but Lynn Spillman remembered me from that cast. And then they wanted to add somebody who was going to be, you know, the, a funny Character who was on the show, and I feel like that it was like basically they said like, oh, he's he's like a you know a Jerry Seinfeld that they were gonna have in the uh, in the casting pool, and that was how ultimately I got through. It was and I was cast uh, after everybody else. You were the last one. Uh, me and Dave Johnson were I were at ironically yes like, Yes. the guy
0: you had, uh, you were—he was—you weren't his biggest fan on the show. Like, I wasn't cause... his biggest
1: fan on yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, but, and I think he nothinged me on the show, <laughs> and um, ultimately, like we were in like a pool of like you know ten to fifteen people that were at CBS. By I had just been there six months ago for B- uh, Big Brother casting, but we were in like a very small pool of like one or two people that they were trying to add to the show.
0: Yeah, at least based on the TV character, Dave Johnson. Didn't seem like the biggest uh, tee hee here out there. He, he seems very, like... He was very... a fun guy in real life, he, okay.
1: um, but he was pretty serious about yeah. being on Survivor.
0: It might have been the TV version of him. That I
1: don't think he looking. had really ever seen the show before, and I don't know if he is, like, hey, I have, like, a career, and so, uh, you know, I'm more of, like, uh, leaning into my outdoorsy, but it, it, Dave was a fun guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, like, what reality TV has given you, like, in terms of, like, all this jazz that you talk about, mm-hmm. um, do you uh, feel like it completely overwhelms you? Like, in, I know you watch Succession, like, you'll dabble in some scripted stuff, but, like, do you feel like there's ever, like, so much that you would just kind of, like, oh, I don't want to watch this, like, like show that's garbage, like, health yeah. manner, and you would... Go watch something else instead. Like
1: so, I-, I am very fortunate that we have such a like deep roster of people that, and it's uh, I feel like always growing. Of if I do not want to talk about a show, like I almost never have to talk about something I don't want to talk about, and I think I'm pretty vocal about the things. Like I, I don't want to talk about this show. I'm not having fun. I, I feel like that almost any stupid show. I feel like I could talk about um, what well, I think that where I get a little frustrated. It's like um, I'm talk I am spending my time talking about a show and the show is maybe not even stupid enough. Like the show yeah. is just like nothing. And also people aren't listening because the-, the show isn't exciting. And so it's like, well, this is like, it takes as much of my time to make a show. That's a hit versus a show that nobody's listening to. And so that I get a little fatigued of, like, why am I, bur- you know, burning uh, the candle at both ends to make podcasts if people aren't listening to them?
0: Yeah, especially like when a lot of people, myself included, listen to a lot of things on faster speeds. Mm-hmm. But it takes you the same amount of time to watch the show, yeah. on one X and podcast the show on one X unless you speed it up for. Uh, that's your. Prerogative. And that's why I
1: feel like I'm always like and the the medium has changed certainly like there used to be uh i mean there's probably like a thousand percent more podcasts uh than there were when you know we were really you know first you know getting going and so because of that the listeners would be you know way more engaged and not to even say that people aren't uh listening as much but people, I feel like, are not – I almost rarely get feedback on things. And the only feedback I tend to get is negative, negative feedback, where I used to get, like, all types of feedback about, like, uh, all sorts of different things that would happen on the podcast. So it does make me feel like a little bit of, like, okay, we're making this show. We're putting it out there. But, you know, and, and some of the stuff, like, uh, you know, is always going to get uh, feedback. But some of the stuff, it's like – I don't know. Is anybody, is anybody listening to this? Am I wasting my time?
0: I I can definitely understand that, especially like I used to listen to like every single rap up that was mm-hmm. up there, like back when like Jordan Parhar and Haley Strong were covering these like dating shows that I had never heard of. But now there's like so much oversaturation in terms of like podcasting in general. Like mm-hmm. everyone has a podcast after the pandemic. It feels like every stand-up comic, every actor has a podcast about the show they were on. Like, so the medium has just like outgrown itself and not to mention like twitch and like YouTubers yeah, so People can't get to it all and yeah. so
1: yeah it's a challenge so i feel
0: bad sometimes when i'm like oh i like this podcast and then just like move on with my day but like i know mm-hmm. that like the positive reinforcement you know like just assume that every podcast you do i'm supporting you somewhere
1: uh, but yeah um yeah it's it's just <laughs> not even uh not even i, I don't make it sound like i'm so like uh like insecure like was it bad i just feel like that but are, is, is anybody there is anybody out yeah. there like i sometimes i i will feel like i like i'm gonna get my social security number out right now and yeah. see if anybody uh hacks me you've put your phone
0: number out there accidentally right or did you did ever... i i feel like you might have tweeted your phone number instead of the oh you know what once. i did
1: i think i did one time i um put my cell phone number on twitter instead of the voicemail number yeah maybe try that again and see and, somebody, and, and, I, and i got a call on my phone i'm like hello and it's like is this rob like yes like who's this it's like oh i was trying to leave a voicemail I'm like how oh. do you have this number um yes. yes uh but uh
0: in terms of just like to wind things down kind of bring it back full circle now that you are a father of two uh mm-hmm. very entertaining young men based on the stories that i hear some days yeah yeah some days uh how does the content that they watch inspire you or shape your personality how do like you try to like mold them to like the things that you liked growing up because same thing i had this conversation with mike Bloom. like uh, it's cool to like show him like uh he was talking about how it's fun to show his son like the x-men cartoon from the 90s like is there stuff that like you're really you talked about early on in the podcast the movie day that you had but like yeah try to mold them into like watching the things that you liked?
1: I I do I, I just don't want to necessarily like force them to yeah. watch uh things and so I, I do feel like that there is a lot to learn from uh different things. Like I do feel like that Survivor is like an interesting show to show kids because I think it does really you know uh show like there are like life lessons i think that are learned uh in survivor especially like in the social game of like do you see like why people like this person people don't like this person and these are some things that like just like overall like life strategies like i think that those are like a very interesting i do think that um reality tv especially like where it is now i do think that can be like very educational in terms of like learning about different types of people and people telling their stories. And I think that that's great for young people to get to see different people on the the shows. And, you know, my kids know about so many uh, different things that I had no idea about. Uh, And it's just like, you know, second nature to them. Uh, They don't bat an eye at anything. And so uh, that's like really fun to see, but I really do try to encourage, um, I try to show them a lot of comedy and show them a lot of like sketch comedy. And I really am trying to, you know, engage that part of their brain that is the, you know, um, part that's like of, you know, the sense of humor and show them like what's what's funny, what isn't, you know, why is it funny? And I think that that's something that as a kid, like I would have, you know, talking about this with my brother and sister over the weekend, like there, I never remember like, doing any sort of like creative thing that was celebrated by uh, my family. It was like, all right, like be quiet, go away. You know, not to say I had like a very like abusive upbringing or anything like that, but th- that it was not celebrated in any sort of way of like anything that I was like uh, wanting to do or create. Like I was of like, okay, this is annoying what you're doing. And I don't want to, you know, uh, do that with my kids. I, I think a little bit about like, you know, what would it look like if, you know, uh, we, you know, ha- if they have these impulses and instead of like, okay, shutting it down, what if it was like a, like a little bit more cultivated? And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very eager to see, you know, where do they go with this stuff?
0: Uh, are either of them like interested in like taking sort of like creative classes like I don't know if they have stand-up classes for kids or something but I feel like based on what you've said Dominic yeah fresh. I think
1: that they're very interested in like being in a play um, mm-hmm. be, you know Dominic is like a little bit more self-conscious of uh, I think he's like oh, I can't I can't I can't. people like I'm uh, um, you know I I not I don't, don't want to do that it's uh you know what what if what if people don't like it and Anthony is a little bit more of, like, um, a ham. Yeah. That's so
0: interesting to hear because based on, like, the podcast, it seems like Dominic is, like, really talented on the mic that when he's, like, appeared, like, that patron episode that he yeah. filled in for Nicole. I but was it's like, just me and
1: him in the room. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. like, he doesn't know. He knows people will... We'll hear it, but I think if it was like outside, out of of mind, if we were on a stage instead, like if all the people that were listening were sitting in the audience instead of like, I think he would be a different, uh, a different person. But because it's like uh, just me and him, and he's not even on camera, like I think it's uh, he is not uh, shy. He's very, he's comfortable in this environment.
0: Well, I definitely support them being theater kids if they are interested in trying to play, Um, but because I definitely feel like I. Was a more creative person because I did like after school plays in the after school mm-hmm. programs that I was in, uh, um. But I support it now. On the in the inverse of that, have they ever held you hostage to watch something that like you either hated or you actually surprisingly loved that they were watching?
1: No, I feel like that they just have, especially Anthony tends to like have control of the remote and will just put on. The Like one show and just burn it to into the ground where we'll like watch 5000 episodes of Wild Kratts in a row. And then, you know, when you when I was going back to where we're starting, like, you know, we just had to watch what was on uh, yeah. where that my kids like they like a show and it's like, OK, let's binge 13 seasons today. Well,
0: don't get them into Grey's Anatomy. Otherwise, Mm they'll just like
1: burn that to the ground. You know, we watched, you know, 700 episodes of Wild Kratts. We, you know, well then, now they're watching Lego Ninjago. And I I don't know if it's a TV show or a movie, but we are way in down the ninja. I I was, I wished for Wild Kratts to end, but now we are into Ninjago. (laughs) What you wish
0: for, Rob. (laughs) Yes. Um,
1: You should show them the Lego Batman
0: movie. That is a banger of a film.
1: It is, uh-huh. but I think that I, I feel like that Ninjago is a is a series.
0: Yeah, no, that started when my brother was like five or six. I can't believe that's still on.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah. took Dominic in the movie theater to see uh, the Lego Batman movie.
0: Oh, oh yeah, I vaguely remember you doing a podcast. I did a podcast with it.
1: Kevin Mahadeo.
0: I vaguely
1: remember doing. Yes, Long so Long unfortunately, there are podcast. ten seasons of Ninjago on Netflix. Oh no!
0: Can and you six like
1: season uh, that there are six seasons of ninjago and 10 seasons of ninjago masters of spinjitsu
0: well maybe someone listening to this can make like a youtube compilation of everything you need to know and they can burn through that two-hour clip and maybe move on yeah yeah enough enough uh do you have a show that you've liked that they've ever attempted i know
1: probably not ryan is he still active uh, he is, but that's more uh, just YouTube stuff. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, that one show that they did watch that I thought was pretty uh clever was uh Danger Force, and oh, yeah. that was like a multicam. You, you know it? Is that the one with Frankie Grande? Frankie Grande is a villain. Okay. Yes, and so uh, it started off. It was Henry Danger, and then it spun off to Danger Force, and I I do think that there are some live action like uh, Nickelodeon. Sitcoms and they're all on Paramount Plus now, yeah. and I feel like that they are there's some clever writing that I will catch uh, from time to time. You might hate me for this recommendation, but
0: SpongeBob. maybe yes. They would be at the age. No, they've had Spongebob. it on, but you know what? Okay. If
1: somebody like if something inappropriate happens on a show, mm-hmm. Nicole's like, shut it all down. Right. Yeah,
0: maybe Jimmy Neutron. I'm trying to think of like these shows. I Carly like the original, not the reboot. Like we tr- like-
1: we tried it. We I feel like that didn't stick.
0: Ah, uh, bummer. Um again, I uh, Disney Channel original movies, I feel like those mm-hmm. would work. I know mm-hmm. Dominic talked about Luck of the Irish, which my pitch to you all, Full Court Miracle, I feel like that's a good Renat movie. Yes. Um it's about this Jewish boys school and their basketball journey. Maybe um, it's
1: a, a Hanukkah uh, miracle. It's a Hanukkah movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um so, highly recommend that, especially if you're in the Disney Channel original movie basketball genre based mm-hmm. on the two dcoms you've podcasted about on <laughs> that's true that's true um but yeah rob do you have anything else in terms of like the media that shaped you anything we didn't hit on we i know like this a was a,
1: a fun uh you know conversation slash uh you know therapy and mm-hmm. i uh, appreciate it
0: listen i'm very pro therapy i'm going there next so um yes well very thank you yeah thank you for
1: at, at least uh you know giving me the platform to uh get a free session with you
0: Of course. Yeah, no, Rob, seriously, I very much appreciate it. When I started conceiving of this project, like you were the first person I wrote down a because I was like, it would be so cool to like interview my podcasting hero on my podcast, but also like to this is a conversation I've been curious about having with you about like the life of the media that you should do even before I started podcasting three years ago, like, and I'm just very grateful of your time. And I uh, I hope you're happy with how it went felipe this was a great start to my morning compared to where i've been lately so anything to take my mind off of what i had elsewhere and it was a treat and a dream podcast with you rob Um, and revisit survivor amazon last night prepping for this and like looking at some old like podcast clips like it was a fun trip down memory lane for my own sanity yeah
1: all right well felipe thank you so much for having me
0: of course. Do you have anything you want to promote or uh, where people can keep up Find with you? Find me on
1: threads.
0: You love the threads.
1: I love threads. I've been a little lacking the last couple of days, yeah. but I got to get back. I got to get some new material.
0: Yeah. I love how you go like every new hotness. Rob is like one of the first people there, except for Be Real. We had to like convince you to get on to Be Real first. It
1: was too, you know what really <laughs> threw me off? I like uh like, okay, here's my picture. Like, you don't need to see what's on the other side of the camera. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like, wait, hey, why does Rob have like, what's that UPS box? Like, what is that? Yeah. Like a... people are nosy.
0: Yeah. But you were one of the first people on Periscope way back when yes. uh, throwback day. Um, That's one Clubhouse. of the first people on Survivor. You were. Yeah. You were what? In the first 96.
1: Look, Felipe, this is the theme of my life. I get on a new thing. I'm a, I'm a maniac. Uh, just trying to get attention pay attention to me and then when it gets uh not that fun i'm like all right i'm gonna go somewhere else
0: first of the podcast streets
1: yeah one of the first like if you're not first
0: or last is a motto you could live by
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah
0: um but again and then so you're on threads um and of course rob has a podcast people can check out everything you're up to there uh going back to vintage rhap days you have a hashtag for this episode
1: Let's see. Hashtag of uh, what we have for this episode. And I don't know. I feel like we talked uh, a lot about uh, Seinfeld and writing. But I don't know if I have a catchphrase here for this podcast
0: been a long time since you've come up with a hashtag for a podcast we talked about like.
1: we talked about the sound the soundboard soundboard mm-hmm.
0: there was and, um some soundboard reference like from years ago it must have been like early days of like the patron era of podcasting that like came into my mind lately and i wanted to say it out loud but i was like no one's gonna understand this reference um it might have been like something like drew christie related i don't even remember
1: mm-hmm. but yeah yeah um so I I will say, uh, hashtag hmm um hopefully uh, hashtag pop tarts. Yeah, but okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know. We
0: talked about pop tarts. Um, we did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with everyone uh, going to get their pop tarts. Uh, thank you for joining uh, me on this episode of the Brazilian Dragon Podcast. At Brazil Dragon Pod, everywhere to stay up to date on what we're doing. And again, thank you so much for your time, Rob, and for this awesome conversation.
1: Thank you for having me, Felipe.
0: All right, everyone. I am still cheesing. I'm chuffed to bits. However, you want to say excited, that's what I am. Because that was so much fun. I am so grateful for Rob for giving me his time and coming down to my podcast, uh, the fact that my podcasting hero will forever be a part of my podcast history on my network is super exciting. And the fun doesn't stop there because I hope you all enjoyed this interview. Let me tell you a little bit about who we have coming up. Next week, I will be chatting with the wonderful podcaster extraordinaire, Latanya Starks. She does a lot of scripted podcasting, on the post-show recaps and Rick, sorry. She talks about a lot of scripted content on post-show recaps, including Barry, You, Wednesday, a lot of different spooky ooky things that she loves horror. So we definitely talk about that. Uh, She also loves Top Chef. So uh, I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with the wonderful Latonya Starks, one of my favorite voices out there in the interwebs. She's so funny, she's so kind, and I'm excited to dive deep into the media that made LaTanya. Uh, with that said, stay s- subscribed to all Brazilian Dragon Podcast updates at Brazil Dragon Pod on all social media. You can also check out our YouTube channel for some visual episodes. And again, upcoming, we have High School Musical, the Musical, the Series. And hopefully, I'm going to get my act together, get a little Jet Lad the Game Season 6 podcast with my friend Deanna. Uh, but, you know, your boy is busy. And at the very least, we got Media Made Me lined up for you all. And so join us next Thursday for another edition of Media Made with the one and only LaTanya Starks. Until next time, everyone, keep on watching things. <laughs>